Welcome to the Eclectic Folk Podcast, where we interview interesting people who might not otherwise be interviewed. I'm your host, Mr. Cat. Not my real name, but myself and my guests all have the option to use a pseudonym, if we so desire, as oftentimes people will speak more freely if they feel their anonymity is guaranteed. My guest today is Acacia. She is a sound healer, and I participated in a couple ceremonies with her. As I got to know her, I found her to be a really thoughtful individual with a range of talents and interests in the spiritual, and some might say, supernatural. I found when talking to her, I would always gain a fresh perspective, so much so that I asked her to be my second guest on the Eclectic Folk Podcast. I hope you'll enjoy. Hello, I'm here with uh, Acacia, who's going by the name, the pseudonym Butterfly Bear for the for for this interview. And uh, Acacia uh, does sound healing. I met her here uh, where I practice Kundalini yoga sometimes. And uh, I guess we'll just jump right in. So usually Acacia, oh, sorry, Butterfly Bear? Butterfly Bear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, why why butterfly bear is that a real creature what 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 like how did you come up with that name mm, it kind of just came to me mm. um bear is one of my power animals mm. one of my main animals and um i don't know i just got this image in my mind of this bear with this butterfly mask and i feel like butterflies are like quite a, joyful like a covid butterfly mask no like a like a face paint butterfly mask oh okay like a Halloween butterfly mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like dressed up as a butterfly for a bear dressed up as a butterfly for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm like the opposite. I'm scared of bears. Like bears are like one of the animals that uh I I I'm getting better at this, but like probably through most of my life I like dislike bears more than pretty much all other animals. Bears and bears and hippos were like my two least favorite animals but i'm getting i'm starting to warm up to bears a little bit more because i'm living and i'm i've actually like met bears in person and they they don't just like randomly charge people and attack them they're pretty chill (laughs) yeah they're definitely like super chill yeah um they're just like dopey doing their own thing Mm. i see lots of bears and i don't really ever feel scared of bears um cougars are a different story Bears are, like, actually quite cute. Huh. Yeah, see, like, for me, I don't feel too afraid of cougars. I feel like if I tried, I could fight a cougar off. (laughs) Like, I might not be successful, but I feel like I have more of a chance versus a cougar than a bear, personally. Interesting. You can play dead with a bear, but you can't play dead with a cougar. Really? Yeah. It's hard to, like, I feel it would be hard for me to, like, um, if an animal's attacking you to just, like, curl up and don't do anything like i don't know i like i've heard that you can do that and they'll ignore you but 
I'm not sure if I'd be able to do that. Like it's you're sort of like letting go and just like crossing your fingers and hoping the bear doesn't like, okay. Like, do you think the bear could know you're not dead? I feel like he would, it would know. Well, I don't think that bears eat you when you're fresh. I think that they like bury you and come back for you. But this might be grizzly bears. Right. Um, I'm definitely talking about a black bear. Yeah, yeah. But there's the option one where you can just make yourself really big and like. Yeah, I, I think I prefer to do that with like a loud noise. I have a whistle on my keychain that I bought. I went hiking the other day, so I like bought a whistle in case I have to like scare a bear or something. Yeah, I I, I think I could choose. Black bears, I'm not too worried about. Grizzly bears terrify me. I don't, I don't really want to get too close to them, but I've never lived too close to a grizzly bear. They're pretty far north, my understanding is, right? Yeah, there are some grizzlies around here. Like I think on Crystal Mountain, like grizzlies have been spotted. Wow. Um, but they're less common. Mm. Yeah, I definitely do not want to run into a grizzly bear. <laughs> I've seen some in Banff and like around that area. And luckily I was always in a car. Have you seen that documentary, Grizzly Man? Oh, I'm not, I don't think so. It's a Werner Herzog documentary where... This guy like really, really loves bears and he goes to Alaska's national parks and he like films himself um, interacting with like grizzly bears, like going up to them, sometimes touching them. Um, and eventually he ends up getting attacked by a grizzly bear and, and killed and eaten. Wow. <laughs> I, I have heard of this guy, but I've actually right. never watched the documentary. It's a good it's a good documentary. It's it, it is it's good actually most of it has like really, really great footage of bears, like in their natural habitat. So like if if that does disturb you, you could watch like ninety five percent of that documentary and just turn off the last ten minutes and you wouldn't hear like the recording of him being like eaten by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so butterfly bear, butterfly bear acacia. Um, so how I usually structure the interviews is like in the beginning, sort of like getting a bit of a walkthrough of the arc of your life or arc of my guest's life. Um, would you, if you don't mind sharing, maybe you could talk a little bit about your childhood, where you were born, where you grew up, where you went to just quickly, sort of like an overview and uh, how you sort of ended up where you are today, I guess. That's a that's a let's that's a lot. That's a huge question. Let's just start with the childhood part, and we'll get, we'll get to that other stuff, which is like probably an hour's worth of talking. <laughs> okay, so um, I was born in Cowansville, Quebec, hmm. and so I grew up in the eastern townships of Quebec, um, right kissing the border. And um, my childhood was. You don't have a sorry. To you don't have like a Quebec accent that I that I hear. Uh, so <laughs> I know we've touched on this like in person, but for any listeners, you're you're an Anglophone in Quebec, right? Your family. Yeah, one hundred percent. The Eastern Townships is actually the heaviest populated Anglophone area in Quebec, hmm. and so. I grew up with French being my second language. Mm. Um, yeah. Right on. Cool. And did you like live there all your life in Quebec or did you move uh, elsewhere as you got a little bit older? I lived there until I was 
I think I the first time I moved to BC, I was, I think, 19. Mm-hmm. And it was just after a really close friend of mine had actually passed away. He passed away like two weeks before I moved out. Mm. And so I just like kind of pushed myself to stick with my plans, feeling like that's what he would have wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. But then I was just like super overwhelmed with lots of grief and um mm. <clears throat> and yeah, actually tried cocaine for the first time mm. while I was here in Vancouver. Okay. Um and yeah, that kind of was like the peak of like kind of a crisis in my life and I went back home to go back like a month later. Were you doing a lot of cocaine or or did you just try it once and you're like, "Oh, fuck this i gotta i gotta get out of here (laughs) i tried it once um when i did go back home to quebec i definitely did have a cycle Mm. of experiencing cocaine yeah and but the first time i did cocaine i think it was like two nights after i had this intense dream it was like a premonition dream and um I was in my hometown that I grew up in, in Sutton, and I was coming out of the IGA with my mom and sister. Mm. And all of a sudden, this cop car in the dream comes flying out of the air and (laughs) just lands on its roof in front of the window. And then all of a sudden, I'm teleported between these train tracks and... I like step off of one train track and then there's another train coming and then I step off of that one and then I'm on another one and there's another train coming. So like I just kept moving and all these trains were like constantly coming towards me. And um, yeah, I definitely think it was symbolic of like if you immerse yourself in this path that you are going to be a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least constantly dodging train wrecks (laughs) as well. Yeah, that's that's it must have been a really impactful dream that you can remember it all these years later. Yeah, it was um, it was very vivid. Mm. And so imagery really sticks with me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was no stranger to cocaine either in my uh, early mid 20s, I suppose. <laughs> it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was. I had lots of fun while I was doing it, but mm. I was definitely suppressing what, what, tons of stuff. What were you like? What were you doing when you did cocaine? Typically, partying with friends, like going to clubs, going to house parties, just hanging out. Sometimes going out to bars. Mm. Sometimes just hanging out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. <laughs> there was definitely a period where I feel like it was doing me. The cocaine? Yeah. What, what does that mean? <laughs> Addiction. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I personally, at least maybe I told myself I didn't, like I didn't admit to myself I was addicted. I, I don't know now if I was. I don't think I have an addicted personality personally, but... Um, it was I was just around it a lot, and it was there, and I would do it if it was there. But I, um, I didn't, I didn't like. I don't think I ever bought it personally. I would like contribute money if someone else was buying it, but I never like bought it uh, for myself. Did you ever do it alone? Um, never alone, but yeah. I definitely bought it. Yeah. I was definitely addicted to it. Oh, really? One hundred percent. Yeah. So, how did you um? 
get off it. I moved to BC a second time. Okay, so you so you were it. You start. You did it the first time when you went to BC, and then um, you had a lot on your plate. You you moved back to Quebec, mm-hmm. and then later you moved back here again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the first time I came to BC, mm. picked up the recreational drug, <laughs> played around with it for probably a couple years, a year and a half, and then moved out to BC and left that addiction behind. Hmm. Cool. So you didn't feel the need for it when you came back here? You just went cold turkey? Yeah, I just knew that I wanted something different. Mm. Um, I mean, partying continued for a little <laughs> while, but at least I wasn't like, I was able to have self-discipline to no longer do that substance. Did you do other substances other than that? Yeah, I kind of went into a phase of MDMA. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever tried MDMA that's like pure MDMA. I've had ecstasy that has been between like terrible and okay. But I don't like, I don't think I, I think I sort of uh, wrote off MDMA because I had bad E experiences and uh, I associated that with MDMA. But I think in retrospect that my bad E was probably just like a cocktail of horrible things and like it probably there wasn't a whole lot of mdma in it um and i've heard things uh like recently i've gone to some um retreat centers where i've spoken with like some therapists who are using mdma for therapy with people and i've heard i've heard it can help treat ptsd so i'm not i'm not sure how i feel about mdma now i'm sort of like open to it but i've i don't know if i've ever done it um how do you how do you feel about it now like did you stop yeah one point i remember one of the last times i did it i was going out to bloom and nelson um out dancing and i just like felt so disorientated in my body Mm. like i was kind of going through a transitional period of like substances were becoming a lot less of my like in my life and my Mm. sensitivities were heightening so then these substances are really quite powerful and so Mm. um yeah I felt like I couldn't even dance in my body and that's when I was like okay well if I can't dance then like I'm definitely not gonna do this thing Mm. um I have had sessions like therapeutic sessions with MDMA once Mm -hmm. yeah and it was really powerful I feel like most things um, done in right relationship and in harmony with like great intentions Mm. can be really powerful with the intention of healing and discovering oneself, remembering oneself. Mm. Um, Yeah. Hmm. Did you see a like a trained therapist when you when you did that? Yeah, I did. And what benefit did you find it it gave you? Um, I felt like. In that session, we completed like an entire year of like therapy wow. in one session, like this one eight hour session wow. um, healing aspects of like related to like my father and just like childhood wounds. Mm. And and then there were also like beautiful moments where I like really got to see myself mm larger aspects of myself that are existing outside of this body that were wanting to be integrated and remembered um, into my current body. Hmm. That sounds pretty cool. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) I should give that a shot. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so how old were you when you came back to BC that second time then? I think I was... Or or how many years after uh, you were first here? You could also tell me. So the fall of 2014, mm-hmm. I moved from Quebec to Canmore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess it was like Alberta for about eight months. Okay. And then BC. Right. In 2015. Okay. And you mentioned that you were with someone at that time, and that's why you came here. You were with you were with that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was with someone who had come to the music school Selkirk program in Nelson. Okay. And we came to visit his mom for Christmas. And the minute we got here and we're walking down the street, I could just like feel the energy. And at this point, I didn't really... I don't even know if energy was a part of like my vocabulary, (laughs) just like something spoke to my soul in the way that I felt like I was being met by people on the street and just like Mm -hmm. this openness and like just more love Mm -hmm. than I'd experienced anywhere else in the world. And so we initiated a move um, within the next couple months. Wow, cool. So you um, did you feel like this was home almost instantly? You're like, I want to live here. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a weird thing because like, you know, it feels like there's this whole world. And I mean, it's hard for me to know that maybe there are other homes around the world, but Mm -hmm. it just like feels so strange to kind of have, I guess, for such a long time in life, feeling like I never belonged and I didn't know where home was to Mm -hmm. finally come into accepting it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. After a few years of being in Nelson, I kind of started feeling restless of like, maybe like maybe I need to go somewhere else. And, um, yeah, I learned this summer that it definitely does feel like home here. Hmm. Did you go somewhere else and you're like, ah, it's not really for me. Yeah. I decided to move to Salt Spring this summer. Oh yeah. I think you mentioned that to me before. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I packed up my car with all of my essentials, like my sound healing equipment, crystals, Mm. books Mm. and clothes. Mm. And I got rid, I gave away a lot of my other stuff thinking that I was never coming back, <laughs> getting rid of my snow boots, my snow pants, <laughs> snowshoes, everything. And um, yeah, I was there for about a month before I made the choice of coming back, but I stayed for another month. So I spent the summer hmm. on the coast. And um, yeah, I, I talked with a friend, a dear friend, a month in of being there. And when I heard her voice, I just like felt it in my heart. I was like, hmm. oh, no. I want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we had this conversation once before because I was also on Salt Spring Island this past summer too. I was there in June. But you did you what what months were you there? Um, from July until end of August. Right, we just miss each other then, I guess. Um, but if there's anywhere I've found that to me felt quite similar to Nelson, it was Salt Spring. I I find them like, they're totally different geographically, like one's in the ocean, one's in the mountains. But I found the kind of like the vibe, the energy maybe uh, similar between those two places. Did you, what, like what, what did you, what were you seeking there? And then what made you turn around and say, no, Nelson is is better for me? Um, I think I was seeking space. Hmm. And kind of like working through my own stuff in a way, like feeling like I had to leave this community um, that I've grown in so that I could be seen the way I want to be seen. Hmm. Um, 
because initially I moved to Nelson and I had I was working through addictions and, you know, I was very young and mm. naive and some of my beliefs and way I was being. And so I, f- I kind of was feeling like who I'd grown into mm. maybe wasn't being seen by the out- external world. So I felt like going to a new community would be really supportive to just like step into my authentic self as I am now. Mm. Um, but as I went through the process of moving to Salt Spring, I realized that it was me who was not seeing myself and that everyone had already been seeing myself as a teacher and a sound healer and all of these things. And so it was actually a very humbling experience Mm. to realize that, yeah, I just needed space to see myself. Like I actually just needed a different scene so that I could experience all of the growth um, in my life. And um, one of them being like I moved into a community of 30 people on Salt Spring mm-hmm. and um, I've often like seek like I would seek validation outside of myself. Was it like a commune or something like that? Um, what do you mean by commune? Um, like a plot of land where there's little homes, everyone's living together. Uh I don't even know what I mean by a commune. I've heard the word like a hippie commune. Some, you know, do you know what? It, it was definitely hippie, like, um, yeah. not luxurious spaces, like smaller, very like humble type spaces. Mm. Was there like folk dancing every evening with no. a bonfire? <laughs> no, but we um, we would eat meals together, mm. um, which was really nice. Mm. Um, and then there would be some like classes and workshops. Um, that people could attend as well. Mm-hmm. So positive experience or not really or the right fit for you? It wasn't quite the right fit for me. Mm. Yeah, I felt like I didn't really have enough privacy on the community and I felt resonance with a few people in the community, but there were way more that I didn't quite feel that resonance with. Mm. And um so I kind of, it was just a beautiful experience of coming into deeper gratitude for the community that's existing here in Nelson. Mm. Um, yeah, I came back excited to like co-create with dear brothers and sisters who want to like collaborate with sound healing and who share a vision. Um, yeah. Okay. And if in case any listener hasn't guessed, <laughs> Uh, Butterfly Bear is a sound healer. Um, so let's talk a little bit maybe about how you found yourself like getting into this kind of line of work, this lifestyle. So you had just come here with your, was it your boyfriend at the time who enrolled in the college of music? He, um, he'd done the, the music program before we started dating, but yeah, we moved here together and we continued dating for about a year. Mm. And then, um, I just really started noticing shifts in my being and just really wanting to like kind of hang out less with the boys and have drinks and Mm. do these things. And I could feel that there was something really shifting in me that maybe wasn't happening the same in him. And so we kind of took more space and eventually, our relationship kind of just gracefully ended Mm. and continued as friendship. Mm. And um, over the next little while, it actually happened quite quickly where 
this these mystical experiences started happening in my life. Oh, let's talk about that. That sounds really interesting. What kind of mystical experiences happened? Um, I so the first mystical experience that I had, I was invited to make some amala with a group of women. And amala is a prayer necklace with 108 be beads. It's initially used to like reprogram and rewire your brain. You can use affirmation or mantra or breath work. Mm. And so um, I think, is it similar to like kind of a Buddhist bead necklace where they're kind of going through the beads with their hands, their thumb? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so this word was like new to me, this experience and I research a lot of things before I usually get into them. And I went home and I was like, oh, my God, like this is such a sacred experience. I was like, I actually think I need to do it alone. So so what what was so sacred about it? What was so mystical about it? Um, so when you make it, you tie prayers into each knot. So there's 108 beads. You're tying like 100 and maybe 11 knots. Mm -hmm. And so it just seemed like a very intimate experience. I don't think I realized what I was getting myself into. Hmm. And so after I finished making this mala, I decided to walk down to Lakeside Park and I chose the affirmation of I love myself unconditionally. And I was unintentionally also doing breath work, um, taking a nice deep inhalation with each recitation. Hmm. And um, when I got halfway through the mala, just like this tingling. When you say how, I'm sorry to interrupt. When you go, when you say halfway through the mala, wh what does that mean? Because, so there's 108 beads. So you're reciting. Oh, you're going, okay. Yeah. So you're counting the beads and you're reciting that same affirmation. Mm. I love myself unconditionally. Right. 108 times. Right. Okay. And I don't even know if I, if I told myself that like three times in a row mm. ever in my life. And so, um, <laughs> Here I was like halfway through the mala and just like this energy came up my spine and like opened up into my heart. And I felt and I had tingling sensations all the way up my spine. My hands were like tingling and like kind of in like this this claw. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like the most love I'd ever felt in my entire life. Love that I felt like I'd been looking for my entire life. And um, I went home and I started Googling energy up the spine, tingling in the hands, handlock, all of these things. And it said like you're having a stroke. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> no. What's really crazy uh, is that what happened is that words like ascension and spiritual awakening and all of these words, mm -hmm. it wasn't like physical warnings or anything like mm -hmm, this. Like mm -hmm. all of these spiritual words just started like coming up and I was like, what's ascension? <laughs> what's spiritual awakening? Mm. You know, like very innocent. Mm. And, um, and that, yeah, that led me into a deeper exploration of spirituality and consciousness. Wow. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so that was your first mystical experience. And did and that started you on your spiritual journey from there. And you, you before that, you weren't too sort of leaning in that direction before that. No. Um, a few months before that um, experience, I started realizing that I was causing myself a lot of self-harm and, and self-sabotage by carrying so much anger and hatred towards 
um, people in my life, family members about, you know, holding on to the past and not being able to see the gifts and challenges. And so I just started to get this call to forgive Mm. and to look into my past and to see what the gifts were there. And what I thought was forgiving of others really just led to my self-forgiveness, which so forgiveness was definitely the doorway that led me into a deeper sense of spirituality. Hmm. I I think that resonates with me. Compassion sometimes too. Um, did you do other... You, you said you had several mystical experiences before you found your path on on the sound healing track. What, what else were there? <laughs> <laughs> um... I started working with um, my spiritual aid, connecting with like guides and guardian angels and just having these profound experiences of sensing the presence of these unseen forces. And through through some kind of meditation, through meditation. Yeah. And um, especially like the first time I ever connected with the energy of cryon, like I just like could feel like angels like all around me and touching me. What? Who or what is Cryon? He's like the keeper of like when we leave bodies, like when we leave our earth body and we go back into like the soup of oneness, like he's kind of like, he's like the DJ of souls coming down (laughs) and returning. (laughs) He's the DJ. He's the DJ of souls. Spinning new ones to come down and taking back the old ones. What like... I think that name rings a bell. Is there a particular uh, lineage that he comes from? Knowledge um, of him? I don't know if he's ever been incarnated. No, I mean, like, like who who wrote? Is that like a Christian I- idea? This person or B- Buddhist? Like, what? Wh- he's a channeled entity. Is he? Um, okay. Lee, is it Lee Carroll? If I'm remembering right. Okay. I could be wrong. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so someone's channeled Cryon and written about him. Yeah, this consciousness. Yeah. Okay, please expand on your. So, you, did you communicate with Cryon? How did? How was? How were you brought to be aware of him in person? Um, he came into my awareness through a psychic reading I had, the mm. very first psychic reading I had, and she said that she picked up his presence in my field. And, um, and so I'm just very curious and I research everything. So I went home and I started looking up cryon. And so I started doing these meditations with him and, um, I experienced like my senses, like what felt like for the first time where I could feel like presence outside of my body and I could like see these visuals of energy. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not being skeptical. I'm being interested. True. Um, and I guess I'm not sure what else to say about it. I like, I felt like I wasn't, I was more so like leaning into him to help me. Like I knew that there was something waking up in me, mm. that there was, that I was at like this, like the fool in the tarot deck, like that I was at the, the beginning of something mm. that felt very big. And so Cryon actually was one of my main spiritual aids. Hmm. And so um, I had quite the tribe, though. I worked with other energies as well. Hmm. And um, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I continued to do like that sort of spiritual work, which is like prayer and asking for guidance all the time, like through every single day, I would start my day asking to be to be guided and mm. to be shown and synchronicity started happening in my life. And I really started to make an effort to be connected with nature, mm. um, offering my hair or my moon blood or prayer or making mandalas with like rocks and, you know, just making, returning the gift of the beauty that we're always being met with. How would you return them? Um, I guess by just like being in the woods and taking the time to pick up some of these beautiful earth gems of rocks and stone mm. or, mm. and and leaves and just make a pretty display for her, like a shrine in mm. honor of Mother Earth. Wow. Does that overlap with what some people call like witchery? Mm, like earth magic, maybe? Yeah, maybe that's a more of a negative sounding name but like some people might call it that or like pagan what's uh wiccanism it could be you know i've never really looked into that but mm. it's definitely um i feel like it's an old practice that many people who've been in right relationship with nature have always done hmm and I received this guidance through like my guides i just started doing these things because i would hear this subtle sound that would kind of guide me to doing these sounds uh, doing these things and what's interesting is like I wasn't able until this year to actually identify that subtle sound as that as like the guides that are not that are a part of me and that are not separate mm. um yeah um the subtle sound is that like something you physically hear or or is it some kind of feeling of awareness it's i feel like it's a mixture of like a feeling of awareness and clear audience um hmm. it's like a knowing almost at the same time hmm. but it's like there definitely is like a voice and a presence there but it's just it's so subtle and soft like it's not like oh hey i'm here listen to me i'm gonna tell you to do this Mm. It's actually just like it's so compassionate and soft, like it's so quiet almost that it's very easy to dismiss. Usually when we get red, red flags, like, you know, we can just brush it off because it's like a voice that sounds like our own. Mm. So then it's hard to differentiate, like, is this just in my head or, you know, what is it? Mm -hmm. I, um, I think there's been t periods of my life where I... I was listening to the universe more maybe and seeing signs, synchronicity perhaps where I'd be like, Oh, this is a sign. Like I should do this. Is it similar to that? I don't always do that, but I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think maybe it's, it's actually what people should do more, uh, but is, is that similar to what you're, you're saying? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it's usually like very gentle and like, it's like an invitation to do something. Hmm. It's not really like, or uh, like you should do like, it's very like gentle. It's just like, it comes as like an insight and an inspiration. Hmm. Cool. Okay. So you, you've gone on the spiritual path and you're seeking 
and you're you're growing and you're learning and you're feeling better about yourself how did you come upon sound healing specifically um i came into a big event that happened before sound healing became a possibility in my life was i was going through this huge rebirth um shedding part of my life where there was a lot of death of egos happening and um I got really sick with chicken pox as an adult as an adult I got them for the second time whoa you can do that yeah apparently (laughs) I thought I was immune (laughs) and I heard it's like really bad if you get it as an adult too like you're more sick right yeah I think it's definitely worse for men than it is for women but it still was like super intense like i think kids when they get it they maybe have chicken pox for a week yeah i i had them for about a week before i went to the hospital because i was doing like the master cleanse so i thought i was just like detoxing with like all of these like boils coming out you know (laughs) and um and later on i realized that I went to the hospital and he was like, you have chicken pox. And I was like, what? And he was like, and we can't do anything about it. <laughs> he was like, they should be done in like about a week. And I was like, okay. And so I wasn't working and a week went by and I still had the chicken pox. Another week went by and I still had the chicken pox. A month and a half went by no. and I still had the chicken pox. I was literally like crying. Oh no. Living in the bathtub. <laughs> meditating. So you have like these little pock marks like all over your face all over, over my body. body not your face and my face too and your face too and, and my body and they're itchy oh yeah. yeah yeah i was not caring about appearance it was like discomfort of like being in my skin it's Ooh. like i was so irritated like being in the skin was so uncomfortable hmm. and um <laughs> as we're talking about this, how did I'm- you get them it just it just came out. I was praying lots. Like, honestly, I think it was a healing crisis that came about like wanting intentionally wanting to get rid of everything that was no longer mine, mm. things that I'd been carrying in my life that were not mine to carry anymore. And I was praying for these things to be released. Mm. And um, so I think I think it was a gift mm. because this journey led me to a beautiful woman who taught me she came by. I ran into her somewhere and she was like, you look like you're in a lot of distress. And I was Uh like, yeah, it's been a month and a half that I've had chicken pox. And she was like, well, if you like, I can teach you how to self-heal and get rid of the chicken pox. Hmm. And I was like, yes. And so the next day I went over to her place and she taught me how to go into my 12 bodies through this technique of immunix and to clear the virus because chicken pox is a virus. Hmm. And so... I went into the tw- my 12 different bodies and removed this virus. Um, and within two days... How did you do that? What was, the te- what was the practice? What was the technique that you did? So the main technique is you need to create a connection with the body mm. um, to receive information from the intelligence of the body, kind of like a pendulum or muscle testing. And so in a safe space, you you open up this conversation with the body of like, show me what a yes feels like and show me what a no feels like. Sometimes it'll just be heat in the body or coolness or tingling or a movement of a finger. And so my 
communication came through on my left hand in my ring finger. I would get a movement for yes and stillness for no. And so you can reword your questions to double check yes and no's. Hmm. Um, And so once you learn that technique of how to get communication through your body, you connect with your larger self and you go in and you ask if you're carrying this virus in the 12th body and then the 11th body and then the what is the 12th body 11th body these are details i don't remember to the extent there's like the celestial body the gravitational body the spiral body the um Yeah, I don't remember. There's the physical body, the emotional body, the spiritual body, and there's, yeah, there's 12 of them. I don't remember all of the specifics. It's not a technique I'm using right mm. now. Mm-hmm. This was like probably four years ago. Sure, yeah, yeah. And um, so you would go in and check to see, am I carrying the virus here? If you got a yes, then you're like, okay, I'd like to remove the virus, send me a single signal when it's done. And so after the first session, I went home and I was not itchy. And within two days, all of the chicken pox were gone. Wow, that's pretty cool. I'm really, I got to look, I got to maybe write something down later after this because I want to look into that. That sounds really interesting. How did you meet this person just walking around in your day to day? Synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah, synchronicity. And so having that experience with her revealed to me, I'd never considered myself as a healer. Hmm. But then all of a sudden I had this awareness that I think I'm a healer, Hmm. which kind of opened up the door for sound healing. Hmm. Okay. So you started thinking of yourself as that because she healed you and you're like, I want to do that for other people too. Well, she didn't heal me. She, you healed yourself. She taught me the technique to do mm. it myself. It's a self-healing technique. Mm. And so she was my mentor mm. in teaching me how to do this um, modality. Mm. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you're starting to see yourself as a healer. You want to help others. Mm-hmm. I like started having this burning desire mm. to serve others. Hmm. to be a catalyst in awakening, to be a clear vessel for spirit to work through. Um, Yeah, it actually became almost like an obsession. Really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And so during this period, you're looking at different ways you could go about doing that, different paths you could take. Yeah, I was asking for signs and... um, but I, I had, before I could really step into that role, I kind of had some ways of lifestyle that I was still carrying, which were like partying, not really with like drugs anymore, but still drinking. Mm. And um, and I was still like during that time, I was doing shamanic drum journeys, um, connecting with guides and angels and star beings and whatnot. And then when I made the commitment to commit to sobriety, mm-hmm. I did a shamanic drum journey with the intention of finding out why I'm here. What is a shamanic drum journey? Um, So it's used in a lot of indigenous cultures Mm. and um, it's a technique to travel into other realms 
and dimensions. So you're not imbibing substances while you're doing this. No, you're using sound. You're using okay. the drum beat. Okay. As your um your vehicle mm. into other dimensions mm. and you're you're allowing yourself to be receptive to your imagination and trusting the senses or the imagery, the clear audience, whatever comes through. And are you are you dancing or just lying down while this is happening? Lying down meditation. Okay. Yeah. And you connect with, um, you usually have a jumping off spot where you meet your guides or your spirits. And then you just go on this epic journey. You never know where you're going to end up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so where did you end up on this particular one? This was an interesting one because most journeys I'm very visual. I see like tons of beings and... Um, and just like the surroundings of like what living things are around me, whether it's plants or energy. And um, I always travel in through trees, like trees are portals. And so I went into this tree with my um, animal guides. And when I got to the top, I was just in this void womb. Like I was just in this dark space. And I was like, this is really interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay. And um and then I just like asked, like, why am I here? Mm. And here I was standing in this void and I just heard my own voice say sound healing. And I was like, sound healing? What's sound healing? Oh, you didn't even. So you didn't like go to a sound healing. Uh, what's the word? Not a, not called a performance. What What's the adjective? I'd never uh, a sound healing journey, journey. or meditation. Yeah. I'd never been to one, didn't even know what it was. Oh, wow. Didn't even know what a sound healing instrument was. Whoa. I didn't know anything about sound outside of music. Yeah. And and at the time, I didn't realize that this drum journeying was a part of sound healing. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, it is, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I hadn't realized it. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like along... A lot of my journey, I've been very like innocent, like in this childlike innocence where it's like I've been into some pretty deep things without knowing like how significant some of the things are. Huh. And um, yeah, so I hadn't heard about sound healing ever. <laughs> and um, But like, how did it come to you? It was just like words that you visualized or? It was clairaudience. And so it was, but it was that subtle voice. It was my voice. It's like, it's like, I've come to um, grow into the truth that all of these guides and spirits that we've been connecting to, that I connect to, mm. um, are really just aspects of myself. They're not separate from me. The only reason why I'm able to connect with them is because they're existing within me. So you you think cryon is not an external entity. He's your subconscious or he is, but he's also inside you. He's both. Yeah. 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 Just like the planets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So please continue. <laughs> you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I just was in this black void and sound healing came. Yeah. And so I, that was the end of the journey mm. and it and, you know, that there was definitely 
a little bit of doubt because it was my voice. I wasn't getting this from like another being that came to me and told me this. It was like my voice. Mm. And so when I was, when I um, finished the journey, I Googled sound healing Mm. and I was like, huh, okay. I was like, I can maybe be into this. I was like, okay, universe, if this is what (laughs) I'm like actually meant to do, I want you to send me three signs in the waking world. Like in this reality, not in a dream, not in a dream in this world. So that way I know that this is actually what I meant to be doing in this world. Hmm. And, um, what were you doing like for work while you're doing all this stuff? I was working at the super cute, um, bead store in Nelson, Abacus beads and beyond. And, um, which was actually such a huge blessing in my life working there. Um, the woman who owns it's absolutely amazing. Okay. It's still there? Yes. Abacus Beads. Okay, cool. There's a plug. <laughs> if you're in Nelson, go to Abacus Beads. <laughs> and so um, I was working actually at the bead store a couple days later. Hmm. And at the time I was reading Dr. Emoto's book on the healing, the healing powers of water. Hmm. I might not be remembering the title correctly, but I think it's the healing powers of water. I've heard of it. Yeah. Is it, is it like where you, uh, do do you say or pray to like, for example, you can like say the word love to a glass of water and it crystallizes a certain way. Yeah. He would, if you say like a negative word, like hate or something, he did studies and freezing the geometries to see like how Mm. it responds and how, when it was something positive, like love, good energy, Mm. it would be this beautiful geometry. Whereas when, if it, when it was like hatred and negative energy, Mm. it would be all like distorted. Right. And, um, he also did studies on like praying to water and like talking in the past tense, like I was healed or, I was um, creative in every moment of my life. I was joyful all the time. Mm. He did studies with um, praying in the past tense and also working with this body of water. I can't remember where it is in the world that was super um, polluted. And for over a year, they prayed to this body of water and the alchemy changed. Mm. It like became healthy through Mm. prayer. Mm. And so I was reading this book And two days after this journey, the next pages start talking about sound healing. And I'm like, weird. Okay, that's that's the first one. Sign number one. Yeah. (laughs) And then as I'm in the midst of reading this, a woman walks into the bead store Mm. and randomly starts talking to me about sound healing. So while you just got sign number one, you got sign number two? Like the same, within the same hour? Yes. Whoa. Yeah, it was super trippy. And I was like, I kind of felt like I was living in like this super trippy world. (laughs) (laughs) What did she say about it? She just started talking about how she has always wanted to do sound healing. She just brought that up? Yeah, yeah, I'd been holding space and kind of um, this workplace of just like deeply connecting with people and being available, but I'd never met her before. Mm. And so I think my energy was just carrying this like receptive open Mm. openness where people would just start telling me things Mm. all the time (laughs) um and yeah so she started talking to me about sound healing and i was the end of the day was approaching and 
I felt like there was definitely some significance to receiving maybe three signs in one day. Hmm. And so I was like, universe, I'm going to be walking to the other side of town to meet my good girlfriend. And I want to see one more sign. If this is truly my path, like I want to see one more sign from this end of Baker to the other end. (laughs) And sure enough, on the same block as Abacus Beads, I walk by Guy Rising and there's a window display of tuning forks Mm. that say sound healing. Mm. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm in. So you went to see your friend. You're like, hey, friend, I'm going to be a sound healer. Just decided. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I told her about the experience and that I get all these signs and I was like, I think I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what did she what was her reaction? She was super supportive and said that I should definitely follow it. And she actually shared how sound healing has been a very powerful in her life. Hmm. And um, yeah, so I went home and I Googled sound healing schools in BC. Hmm. And you found one on the East Shore, right? Yeah, there was um, there was a school like about an hour away on the mm. other side of the Kootenai Lake. Mm. And I was like, huh, that's, that's ironic. And so um, I called her right away and I asked to book a treatment. Mm. And um, that winter while I was living in my cabin, I was actually having a lot of very trippy spiritual things happening. Um, I started hearing these frequencies in my ears and I would have a hard time sleeping at night because there would just be like the, the singing of these different frequencies. And it was actually really supportive to meditate, but I couldn't really sleep because I was just hearing like this singing. Hmm. And when I had my first treatment with, um, Teresa at Kootenai sound healing, Hmm. I, um, When I heard those tuning forks, I knew that the sounds I'd been hearing were cosmic sounds, Hmm. that they were planetary sounds, and um, that I wasn't going crazy. (laughs) And I knew that um, pursuing acutonics was a part of my destiny. What is acutonics? Acutonics is this system that was developed by Donna Carey, and it's a blend of acupuncture and sound healing. And so instead of using needles on the body, you're using tuning forks. And um, the I feel like the, the soul of this modality is to help people remember that they come from a celestial lineage, that the cosmos are existing within our bodies hmm. um, to facilitate deep awakening. Yeah, that's one of the questions I wrote down was uh, I have not done, like before uh, I met you, I I hadn't done sound healing before. You were the first sound healer I've <laughs> practiced with. <laughs> but instantly when you when you started this, I I did get this sort of like cosmic feeling, like connecting with space and the planets, the just the, the sounds you're making. Is all sound healing like that, or is are there different styles? Is this like your particular um, lineage uh, that you've learned from, or or is it is it all like that? Um, that's a good question. I think it can be different 
between, it's hard to say, I think it can be different between every practitioner to every client that goes that might have a different experience. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how to answer that. In a, the best way that I feel like I can answer that is not everyone works with planetary frequencies. Okay. Yeah. But you do. I do, yeah. Okay. And that's the style you were taught at that school that you went to? Or did they touch on the planetary frequencies or was it more just showing you how to use the instruments? Um, it was definitely going into understanding the archetypes of the planets mm. and how to use them on your body, mm. the tuning forks. Um, my offerings definitely evolved once I started taking medical astrology classes with Will Morris and learning how to read the current transits and build sound healing journeys around that. Actually, when I first started with Acutonics, it was like mainly focusing on like private sessions and whatnot. Mm. And um, there just came a big shift one day in my consciousness when I had the invitation of facilitating a group sound healing with one of my teachers. And um, I woke up the next morning and I knew I wanted a gong. And so that's when group became more of a focus. Mm. So initially just tuning forks at different frequencies. Yeah. Initially it was tuning forks um, being used on the body to facilitate spiritual awakening. So you touch the body with the tuning fork? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. On different acupuncture points, which are serving as like portals. Whoa. Wow. Into the body. Because like if, so the cosmos are existing within us like we are this infinite universe. And so when we're using intention on specific points of the body, mm. we can facilitate profound healing and awakening. So the different tuning forks are tuned to different frequencies that correspond to the different planets? Yep. So Kepler in the 1600s calculated the orbital speeds of the planets. Hmm. So using mathematics mm. and then Hans Kusto um, multiplied them to an audible sound. Mm. And so the or orbital speeds gave the hertz. Mm. And so these instruments were made so that we can hear the frequencies of the planets. Okay. Um, I, I've always been sort of like half convinced by astrology Um like, I sort of pay attention to it. I sort of agree with it. Like, I'm a, a Virgo and kind of like, it sort of clicks that that makes sense. My personality is kind of like what they say a Virgo is like. Um, but a lot of people are like skeptical of this. And this, there's no like, some people say there's not a scientific connection between like, whatever, if you're a Virgo or whatever, and your personality. Like, how do you, do you agree that first of all, that there is? And like, how do you see that the planets impact us? Um, so I see astrology as a tool that's a divination tool. Mm. It's, it's, um, it's a symbol of like the cosmic language. And so it really comes down to how we interpret it. And so initially, like our natal chart is the blueprint for our soul existing in this lifetime. What is a natal chart? The natal chart is your, um, if you put in your birth information, yeah. that chart that you get there okay. for you yeah. is your natal chart. Okay. 
And sorry, you said it was a a what for your soul? It's a blueprint. A blueprint. To understand maybe the traumas Mm. or negative patterns that you come into this lifetime to work through so that you can live your highest potential in this life and contribute to the collective oneness. Mm. Because initially we've all been hired by spirit to work things out to help humanity evolve. And so when one is on the quest of understanding oneself in a more deep way, you can use the natal chart as a compass to understand every aspect of your life. And when we develop a deeper understanding of the archetypes of the planets, and so planets are like highly evolved beings, like the sphere, uh, a sphere is like the most highly evolved form of life, which is ironic because our cells are spherical as well. Mm-hmm. And so when we're working with the archetypes, it allows us to identify the positive and negative traits. And so we can, with authenticity and transparency and honesty, reflect on our lives and see how it's playing out. And we can use the planetary frequencies to make shifts in our being and to bring things back into right relationship through vibrational awareness. Oh, that was a lot to take in. That was a lot to take in. Can you get, could you, I'm trying to understand, can you give like a specific example maybe of like the process of doing that for like one planet (laughs) or like like one instance of that? Like, how does that work exactly? How can you take it in? I mean. Okay. So let me think of an example. So for example, if someone has Chiron in their first house, Mm. Chiron is, will show us where our deepest wound lies. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to reveal my ignorance on this topic. I'm fascinated, but when you say in the first house, what what do you mean? So the first house, there's 12 houses in the natal chart. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the first house has to do with your self-image and your approach to life. It's where our beliefs about ourselves and um, the world take form. And Mm. it's the house where the first breath of life is taken. Mm. And so it's also symbolic of childhood. Mm. And so Chiron is the wounded healer. Mm -hmm. And so he points us to where our biggest wounds are in this lifetime. And so with Chiron being in the first house, one can begin to interpret that their biggest wound has to do with their childhood Mm. and with their self-identity, how they identify with themselves. Mm. And so... And then we can lean into working with the frequency to bring it back into right relationship. If we're able to identify any of the negative traits, there's nothing wrong. It's just awareness. We become aware of something and then space is created and we can make a shift into a new way of being. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. Huh. (laughs) It's a deep hole. Yeah, yeah. That sounds really fascinating. I think I need to... Get a book. <laughs> Imagery helps a lot to have something to look at. 
to like if if we were talking about this and I had a picture out in front of us. Mm. Mm-hmm. But okay, like I remember one sound healing um, that you did. Maybe it was the more recent one I went to. You said the planets were in a certain alignment, or no? The, I forget which one it was, but I think you you said something like that. Like Mars was in a particular alignment. Um, I work with astrological midpoints. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at the relationship between three different planets. Which three is that? It it will be different on every day that I pull up a chart. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so um, initially it's showing a an intimate relationship where the planets are close enough to one another that they're having an effect in our lives and that we can relate to these energies and we can lean into them to bring them back into right relationship. How do you lean into them? With awareness. Yeah. With awareness and intention. Okay. How how does um but like how do the planets I'm sorry if you answered this already. I'm just like how do the how do the planets impact us? based on their position in the stars, like at any given time or their position in the the sky, the solar system at any given time. Like if we're closer to Mars versus further away, how does that impact us? I feel like the most way that these things impact us are through our emotions and our moods, Mm. how we're feeling. Mm. Um, But like, how does the, is it like the energy of the planet waxes and wanes and we pick up on that based on how close it is um when planets are aspecting each other mm. so creating like a an angle with each other mm. creating friction or harmonious energy will pick up on this energy mm. um L- let me ask you a weird question if if like humans could like travel outside of the solar system on spaceships to go to like another solar system how would you predict that they could be affected by like living with the whole different set of celestial objects? How the individual that lands in the new solar system will feel. Yeah. I mean, so we live in a micro macrocosm world, right? Yeah. Where there's a smaller version of something bigger out there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I feel like the symbolism I get is just like, if we move towns, yeah, you know, like we yeah. feel a different energy. We feel a different expression, a different way of being. We live in a different home with different people. Hmm. We have different aspects of ourselves that come out. Hmm. And so, um, yeah, I've not done that in this lifetime, <laughs> but I feel like nothing separate. So you would start to entrain, which is like a sound word in training, you would start to come into harmony Mm. with the vibrations that are around you. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you'd adapt to it. You wouldn't be like taken out of our womb, our solar, our celestial womb, which is this solar system. And we'd be like, Oh, I don't fit here. You'd be like, okay. And you sort of like adapt to it. Yeah. I believe like we're designed to adapt. Yeah. Yeah, our the intelligence of our body is so so beyond our like concept like ability to understand mm. that yeah, we would just adapt. Yeah, okay. I I dig that. I think we would too. 
<laughs> I hope so anyway. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, um, do you want to continue on this or do you want to change gears to something a little bit? Um, I don't think we should go too deep into like astrology per se because it's, um, yeah, we could, we could talk about that's a whole deep topic, right? Yeah. 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 If you had any like questions about like, um, the archetypes of the planets or stuff like that, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's more accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, sure. Let's, uh, let's do that. What's a archetype of, uh, Jupiter. Jupiter? Yeah. Jupiter is all about joy and expansion. He's like the seeker. Mm -hmm. And so he's always immersed in learning Mm. and pursuing Mm. um, in search of knowledge. Mm. And so um, when you're working with the the frequency of Jupiter, Mm. you can set an intention. Like if you if someone's been going through depression and they really need a state shift. Jupiter is great for bringing more joy into one's life. Mm. And um, also, if one wants to experience expanded states of consciousness. Such as by taking a hallucinogenic drug? You could just take a a good listen to Jupiter. Okay. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Is there a particular, when you do sound healing, is there a particular sound that, like, is it the frequency that matches Jupiter or is it the instrument too, or both? The instrument rings the frequency or sounds the frequency of Jupiter. Okay. So different instruments could have the frequency of Jupiter, could call upon it, could play it. Um, well, it would have to be an instrument that's designed to play that specific frequency. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, one more, uh, Saturn. Saturn? Yeah. Um, Saturn is... I, got, I feel like there's a... I feel like... Is Saturn like a little bit... Like... Not completely good? Like, is there some roughness about Saturn? I feel like he's got a bad rep. Okay. (laughs) But he's actually quite great because, like, Saturn teaches us self-discipline. Yeah. Which is the ability to prioritize things in our life. Mm -hmm. And knowing that through this self-discipline and working towards something that we will climb the mountain and get to the reward Mm -hmm. or get to the desired goal. Mm -hmm. He's, like, and Saturn's all about, like, structures. Mm And, um, but also structures, I mean, you put a structure around anything, it does create a limitation. Mm -hmm. And so on the negative side, um, Saturn can bring about confinements or restrictions, um, especially with the law. And so he does have that bad rep. And so, but then Jupiter on the negative side is very excessive, and wants to explore everything. So mm. like, you know, he could amplify addictions hmm. um, and stuff like that. So there's negative sides to both. But Saturn definitely does get that <laughs> that vibe. <laughs> is, there, is there a planet that you resonate more most strongly with? Does it work like that? Um, I have favorites. I mean, I work with the planetary frequencies as if they're like people. Yeah. Because initially when you get to know the archetype, you just understand the qualities Mm. of like what are your gifts Mm. and 
what are your faults and how do we bring them back into right relationship? Mm. My One of my favorite combos is working with the sun and Pluto. I love Pluto. <laughs> really? Um, because it facilitates so much transformation. Huh. And I really feel like um, Pluto helps us become aware of the shadow aspects of self or the the things that are not seen that are maybe preventing us from li- living our highest truth and um, expressing our divinity. And so when you're working with the sun with Pluto, it really kind of like it holds the Pluto in light Mm. to help you travel into those places and to facilitate like ego deaths and rebirths and um, Mm. deep spiritual awakening and Kundalini energy. And um, does does the sun accent all the planets differently, each planet differently? Yeah. Any planet paired up with another one is going to have a different synergy. Yeah. But the sun, like this, is the sun something special? Like it's, it's like a whole other thing or? Well, we need the sun for life. Yeah. Yeah. The sun is life giving. Yeah. Like, like it seems to me like the sun is like the most important celestial body for us. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It depends how you look at it. I Um, don't feel like they could exist without. They all need each other to exist, but mm. we definitely need the sun to exist. Mm. Hmm. Are are you are you interested in space in general, like outside of our immediate planetary ecosystem? Um. Yes. In um. I I really have a deep interest in um. I don't think astral travel is the right word, but that's what it feels like um, journeying into other planets and dimensions and communicating with other star beings from different um, star systems. How do you do that? Um, Through drum journeying. So like a trance kind of thing? Yes. And even with the gong, um, really any sort of sound. I feel like sound is the... um, It is like the wormhole to travel to different dimensions. Mm. And so once someone learns how to connect with spirits and their guides and to trust Mm. what they're feeling and sensing, Mm. then you never know where you're going to end up. Could you, do you feel like you could share uh, one example of entities you came in contact with during this process? Sure. Um, I feel like some of the, um, these beings that I've come into most contact with are Arcturians Hmm. and, um, these beings are actually masters of sound. Hmm. Um, and one of my first experiences, I ended up in this very like blue, like this planet also had like this very blue essence to it. Hmm. And it also felt like crystals as well. And so it's hard to describe because it's very, it's very much energy and less like less solid form and more like this moving energy, even like for structures. Mm. And, um, one of one journey, I went into this beautiful temple Mm. and we were just sounding and toning and, um, 
Is that how they communicate with one another? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the communication is through like this expressive sound. Like it's very like ecstatic and um and joyful mm. and um yeah there's just a lot more freedom to express and playfulness uh. um yeah in this particular journey it was a it was a welcoming home of like you know we've been we've been waiting for this moment to meet again and so um with you yeah so that you had met them before that i've like my soul one of my soul sparks is from there right yeah yeah you mentioned that to me once (laughs) i'm glad to understand the context of that because i was like whoa what do you mean by that is is arcturus as you as you see it is that you said it was a different dimension. It's also, a, is it like a star system or something as well? Or is it a, what is Arcturus? Like, is it actually like a place in the sky where you're like, oh, that's Arcturus over there? Or is it another dimension that you just. So interesting. Is it like that out there outside of us? Or is it all deep in us somewhere, huh. but also out there? Right. Um, It's a star system. Okay. Um. In the same way that we're existing in a star system here, yeah, yeah, with Earth, mm. um, but you don't see it as like a physical distance. You see it as like tapping into a different dimension. Hmm. Yeah, I don't necessarily experience it as a physical distance. Yeah, that it's like a part of my consciousness. Mm. Have you ever done DMT? Yes. Have you? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Cool. I want to get some. <laughs> <laughs> Hook me up. <laughs> um, so a lot of people have talked about seeing different entities through DMT. Yeah. I saw like these mechanical beings. You saw the time. mechanical elves? Yeah, I did. Oh, shit. I've been like seeking. I've known people who've done DMT before and... That everyone's heard of the mechanical elves, but not everyone has said that they've been in touch with them. So please, no, please go ahead. I mean, they were just doing this. It was just like witnessing this mechanical elf type thing. It was kind of just really strange. <laughs> um, were they mischievous? No, it didn't really seem like it. Yeah. No, it just seemed like I was just watching this. Yeah, this play of these mechanical beings was how I experienced it. Mm. Um, yeah, my experience also like shifted into something else after, but, Mm. um, yeah, I was there briefly with them. Mm. Do you, do you think like the Octurans could be in the DMT realm too, or is it like a different, totally different substrate that you're tapping into? Um, people definitely, um, have contact with Arcturians through plant medicine. Yeah. 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 Um, I've also experienced um, meeting with these beings in the forest without using sound and just through my consciousness. How do you how do you do that by meditation? They kind of just show up. Yeah. Yeah, they just show up, and um, I think it just takes being really present 
and listening mm. and really feeling, allowing yourself to feel the presence that there is a presence of something here and being able to identify with it. Hmm. Hmm. What other, so you mentioned plant medicine. Um, is that something you partake in very often? Not very often. Um, I've sat with ayahuasca twice and with Shuma twice. And um, each time the plant definitely called me. Like I could hear the spirit telling, mm. calling me into her presence. Yeah, I had that feeling with ayahuasca as well. Uh, the one time I've tried it so far. Um, with Shuma, is that, that's a cactus, right? Yeah, it's a cactus and opposite to ayahuasca, which is done in the dark and yeah. you're kind of on your own journey. Right, yeah. Um, Washuma is done in the daytime uh. in circle. Okay. And so you, it's a, it's a heart opener. Mm -hmm. And so people can have psychedelic experiences, but it's very somatic. It's very like feeling in the body. Mm. And, um, is it similar to MDMA? I would say it's a lot more holistic mm. in the way that like it feels, it feels, I mean, healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and I've experienced it while feeling very grounded in the body. Mm. Do you, do you resonate more with one or the other? Or do you think it feel that they've both benefited you or not? Or conversely, um, have you had negative experiences through them? Um, they've both, I feel like I definitely need, like was just called to the journey I needed. Mm. I've had positive experiences with both. Mm. One challenging experience with ayahuasca, mm. but it was also balanced with beauty at the same time. Mm. It was, um, yeah, a two day ceremony. So you did it twi twice over two days? Yeah. Yeah. And the first night was amazing. I received cranial sacral while on the plant medicine. What's that? Um, cranial sacral is, um, I'm actually studying this right now. I'm taking training for it. And um, it's a technique of healing where the practitioner is not interfering with the intelligence of the body. And so the practitioner is listening deeply to the client's body. Mm. And it's kind of a very psychic thing as well. You're feeling different sensations. The, the practitioner is listening to the client's body. Yeah. So you, the healer, listening to your sort of patient client in this case. Totally. Okay. Yeah. And um, the idea is that the body has an inherent treatment that wants to happen. Mm. It just needs space to be held so mm. that it can be witnessed and so that it can take place um, so that healing can happen. Mm -hmm. And so I received this treatment during the plant medicine. and um, You received this from someone else? I received this from someone else. On ay ayahuasca? Yeah. So was it just you and this... and? The person administering it to you? Yeah, we were in a group of 12. Okay. Um, but there was someone who would cut, like, 
invite you over individually to receive craniosacral if you wanted it. Okay. And um, my experience was when she was done and was like, okay, let's go back to your mat. I was like, I don't think I can move. (laughs) She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I feel too big for the room. I feel like I'm too big to stand up in here. (laughs) And she's like, oh, that's a very good thing. Uh And um, after that weekend, I actually um, started to experience myself much bigger than my body and realizing that in a deeper way, like we're told these things, but it became a very deep and intimate experience that like I am beyond this body. And um, my third eye really opened up after that experience where I could experience my my avatar self outside of my body in the waking life doing things in the forest and coming back to collect them or or facilitating some kind of healing with another while I was over here talking to someone it would be over there doing something to something with someone else and you can maintain your your focus when you're when you're your spirit form or your avatar body yeah and as a part of me yeah yeah a part of me whether it's an avatar self or whatever it is but um and you could experience both simultaneously yeah really interesting (laughs) (laughs) oh man i want to get cranial what's what's it called cranial what craniosacral cranial sacral craniosacral well cranio sounds like kind of like your cranium i guess like your head yeah, so it's working with, um, it's mainly focused on the sacrum and the cranial. And so the bones on the cranial are, are like moving. They're actually not set. Mm. And so the nervous system runs down your entire body and there's nerves from each vertebrae that connect to like the organs in your body and whatnot. Mm. And so initially you're allow you're allowing space for the... Um, the technology of your body to reset because initially we're souls and computers. And so it's allowing for like um, graceful upgrades and software cleaning. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good uh, analogy. (laughs) I have to do like 150 treatments in the next year so we can talk about that and they're free. Uh, sure. What? <laughs> let's talk about that. What? What do you mean? You have to do 150 treatments in there. Um, to get my certification. Oh, okay. I'm doing 10 modules in the next year. They're about once every month and a half. Mm. And so I've done the first module, and so I have to start practicing and having experience of putting my hands on people and facilitating, um, this work. Mm. And um, it's actually quite profound. It's been such a gift. I'm so happy that I decided to move forward with this because I feel like um, I always felt like healing is a lot more simple than we've made it out to be and Mm. that the intelligence of the body knows what it's doing. Mm. And um, and to just have the experience of like being able to discern fascia Mm. or muscle Mm. or the movement of blood in the body oh yeah that's amazing uh yeah i'm in if uh if i can be that sounds amazing Mm -hmm. like i i suffer a lot from like stiff neck stiff shoulder and uh it should just go away like what are you doing body come on break it up break up the fascia (laughs) 
because there's ties to all of these things, I feel like most disharmonies root from an emotional trauma or, or, you know, pattern that's existing within us that's Mm. created, like the body's just telling us Mm. there's something here. Mm. We need Mm. awareness here. Mm. And, um, it's, um, yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot of history, um, in the Chinese lineage with like acupuncture, which you did touch on um where like different pressure points of the body correspond to or even like for example on the feet where like different parts of the foot will correspond to different parts of the body yeah 100 percent. you can treat your entire body through the foot through the ear through the hand yeah um yeah for you can access the kidney point on the bottom of your foot and a liver point on the top of your foot <laughs> and the gallbladder and so yeah, there's specific ways of treating. And I think that it's a blend of all of the things. Mm. Um, awareness and intention being some of the most powerful and profound. But this new modality of truly just witnessing the intelligence, I feel like is actually the technology that's going to be existing and cha- like evolving the world into a higher frequency. Sweet. So how does it work the practitioner listens it's not the the i don't i hesitate to say healer because they are facilitating healing Mm. but the practitioner is not doing it Mm. it's simply connecting to its own presence Mm. and its own authentic self Mm. to witness this Witness whatever the body wants to show the practitioner. Hmm. Sometimes the attention will be brought into maybe the shoulder and maybe I start to see lights like communicating together. So then I get the sense that, okay, there's like something electrical. There's like electrical repatterning happening here. Well, when the, when when this practice is taking place, like what does that look like? Does the client slash patient lie down on a sofa do they lie on a mat? Do they lie on their stomach, on their belly, on their back? Do they sit in the lotus posture? How does it how does it look? Most often on a massage table. Okay. And the hands are either on the feet or on the cranial or on the sacrum. What's the sacrum? <laughs> the <laughs> sacrum is the lower back, like right kissing the butt. Like right like, at the like, like your the tailbone, tail. yeah, kind of there. It's like right there, like that. The sacrum is that triangle, the okay. triangle thing at the bottom. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it it really takes like this innocent awareness of like not just collecting data, watching what's happening in the body, mm. talking to the client afterwards. What did you feel in your body? What sensations did you feel? And then sharing what you felt. And sometimes that'll lead to some kind of realization. It's also very subtle work mm. that maybe they just start to feel really, they just start to feel better. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my train of thought. But that's that sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. Um, have you ever considered the, I, the, the notion of combining sound healing with psychedelics 
are, are, like, would they work well together, do you think? Or do you think they'd clash? They definitely would work well together. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, it's, it's happened already. Yeah. Yeah. Of sharing the instruments one time, um, at this gathering with, um, mushrooms and I brought the tuning forks and people found them to be very soothing and grounding. Mm. And, um, another time I did a little bit of a sound journey during Washuma. Mm. People really loved it. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, recently I just did a private event where it was mushrooms again Mm. and they really loved it. (laughs) It kind of just helps take someone in those psychedelics, takes them into it does it would guide them maybe wouldn't it it would guide them into sovereign aspects of themselves Hmm. where maybe there isn't as much fear or um it would facilitate a compassionate space to explore deeper truths of oneself Hmm. right yeah i could definitely see the alert i mean even an ayahuasca ceremony the one i did involved a lot of music and it was it just felt necessary. It felt necessary. So I could see the appeal of applying that also, like not music necessarily, but any kind of sound, um, like positive sound to narcotics that normally don't have ceremonies like mushrooms, for example, Mm -hmm. or maybe LSD too. Mm -hmm. Do you have any like goal for where you want to be on this path? Or like what you want to do on this path, like uh, like what's your Mount Everest, or like what do you w- really want to achieve? My out, my Mount Everest would be to um, co-create a community that values sound in a way of facilitating profound awakening within consciousness and sounding together and intentionally. Um, traveling to other realms together to ground in wisdom from experienced beings who've who've made who can maybe provide information of how to harmoniously grow in right relationship with earth and mm. not be destructive and um so yeah i think living in a conscious community that wants to really immerse oneself in sound and yeah it's what does that community look like to you is that a community that sort of like lives like separate from like it's not like does it does it mean like i have my little home this person lives in a condo this person lives in an apartment this person lives in a in another home and they get together on, on weekends? Or do you mean like actually physically living together in one spot community, like that kind of stuff? Physically living together in mm. one spot, a be- like a beautiful piece of land that's spacious mm. enough to have all of these other healers living together mm. and leaders and um, where, you know, it's also a place where retreats and stuff happen, where people can come for this experience of, how people travel the world for medicine ceremonies. Only this would be a pure sound ceremony to experience altered states. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds wild. I'm in. (laughs) I come for a bit. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, 
I, I'm looking into things like that. I'm exploring things like that. Um, like I, I like the idea of having like a few acres where people have their own lifestyle, sort of separate from the system as a whole, like the mainstream sort of system of capitalism or whatever you want to call it. But I think it's I think it's great if people kind of like split off from that and start doing their own things. I think that's a positive, mm-hmm. positive achievement for sure. And just like yeah lining up with resonant beings who share a vision Mm. so that that can really grow and um so that it takes up more space in the consciousness um or in the collective consciousness to help direct consciousness into higher frequencies but just in the community or would you still want to get away from the community and raise the consciousness of people who are not in the community it would be doing that just naturally it would naturally be doing that by right. getting together and sharing that kind of space with like-minded souls <laughs> i hope that happens let's push for that <laughs> <laughs> one step at a time um yeah that's wrapping uh like we have a whoops whoop, sorry phone's ringing on that note we have like a yoga class coming up so we got to cut this a little bit short to get ready for it um, is there anything else you want to say before we, we say goodbye? Um, I would just add, I have a huge vision of working with kids because I mm. feel like these frequencies are going to be really supportive mm. in helping kids, um, maintain that connection to source that they come into that way. They're not being conditioned and they, they remember who they are right from the get go. Hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. What age do you think is like, I don't want to go into this too much, but like what age do you think is like the right age to, to introduce them to this? I mean, I think that babies could be listening to these sounds as their babies. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Even in the belly. Yeah. It's not PG 13 stuff. It's, it's general audience. Kids love them. I have a little brother who like absolutely loves them. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, thanks for being a guest on the Eclectic Folk Podcast, Acacia, and uh, we'll hopefully hear more from you in the future. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. Bye for now. Yeah, say bye. Ciao. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.